Hello and welcome back to Lutheran Witness Podcast. Here on the Lutheran Witness Podcast, we read for you the articles shared on the Lutheran Witness website. Before we begin, a quick shout out to our podcast partners, kfuo.org, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Check them out at kfuo.org. Edward Riojas, an artist and illustrator, has started working through a series of articles on Christian art and the symbolism in Christian art and what it is that we're seeing when we see Christian art and how the artist chose the images that he's chosen. This is the second article in his series. The first article, he dealt with some early Christian symbolism. In this article today, he deals with angels and archangels. So enjoy this article by Edward Riojas, the second in a nine-article series on Christian art. Angels and Archangels by Edward Riojas. Everyone loves angels almost as much as they love marshmallow fluff. Angel figurines come out of the woodwork and red storage bins before Christmas and decorate our homes. Some end up topping Christmas trees. Folks dote on well-behaved children and call them little angels, even though parents are more inclined to have differing opinions of their progeny. Some hear the tinkling of little bells and instantly think of angels' wings. Upon the death of a loved one, many declare that their young ones have gotten their wings and that heaven has received another angel. Not so. Christ Jesus did not die for angels. He died for us, poor, miserable human sinners. There is no reason for us to aspire to something outside of our Savior's eternal love for us. Neither is there reason to think we become angels or reincarnate as bunnies or hedgehogs when we die. Other religions may believe that, but Scripture does not speak this way. We have, however, been so inundated with non-biblical imagery of angels that it is no wonder we admire them so much. Somewhere along the line, a bored artist decided to make angels look like someone men might want to take out on a first date. Striking beauty, rosy cheeks, flowing blonde hair, and fiber-optic wings have become the accepted ideal, and unfortunately, it has lulled our stupid brains into a false perception of angels. Something in my gut tells me the average guy would not want to be visited by an angel of biblical proportions, much less ask one out on a date. Killing machines with six wings, executing the will of the Lord perfectly, and named Raphael or Michael do not sound like ideal dates. How did this poor vision of reality take over Christian artwork? Renaissance Excesses We may thank the Renaissance for this, along with its artists' abuse of artistic license. Renaissance artists sought to return to all things classical, including classical Greek and Roman art, architecture, and culture. Those who could speak classical Greek and Latin were considered cool kids. These Renaissance artists pulled much Greek and Roman art out of context and used it in Christian artwork. The sculpture Nike of Samothrace, a Greek sculpture created during the 2nd century BC, displays many of these Hellenistic ideals. This sculpture, along with similar pagan figurines, likely became a Renaissance model for biblical angels. The Renaissance artists adopted the figure's two wings, flowing robes, and feminine characteristics, and we have been stuck with that unlikely vision of angelic beauty ever since. As if that were not enough, Pagan Cupid and his close relatives, the Puti, were thrown into the mix and were confusingly named cherubs, upstaging God's thundering cherubim with annoying, fat, chubby children. Some of the most famous Puti appear in the detail of Raphael Sanzio's Sistine Madonna. 
the Renaissance master painted the piece 1512 to 1513, and the winged babies can still be found on schmaltzy coffee mugs, Christmas ornaments, and, you guessed it, face masks. The Northern Renaissance, from which the Lutheran artist Lucas Cronach hailed, were also influenced by the angels from the Samothrace mold. These northern artists were hampered by, strangely, the hairstyles of the day. The male angels sported long, curly locks instead of a more masculine coif. The central panel of the altarpiece of St. Michael, painted by Gerard David circa 1510, demonstrates this tendency. One must look twice to confirm Michael's gender. Eastern Orthodox to the Rescue The Eastern Orthodox Church came to the rescue by tempering Renaissance art with odd, though technically correct, depictions of angels. Well, at least with one rank of angels. The Eastern Church kept alive the depiction of a six-winged seraph who sometimes shows its face, sometimes does not, yet it seems to be in perpetual flight. While many examples can be found on Orthodox icons, our example is a fresco found at the Hagia Sophia Grand Mosque, formerly the Church of the Hagia Sophia or Church of the Holy Wisdom, in Istanbul, Turkey. Scripture does not give full description of angels apart from the seraphim, even though other ranks are named. We should, therefore, probably allow for varied roles and appearances, including those with fewer or more wings. Scripture uses masculine angelic names, which is why it is best to reflect that in Christian artwork. The assumption must also be made that they naturally instill fear. The angel of death destroyed the firstborn of Egypt. Another single angel destroyed the entire camp of 185,000 Assyrians. The Father's love for us becomes blindingly apparent, therefore, when angels are sent to frail humanity bearing the gospel. Even lowly shepherds, working near the birthplace of our Lord, knew enough to fear those who suddenly appeared from heaven. So it was that those frightening angels, reflecting the Father's will, first declared, Fear not. Thank you for listening to this article by Edward Riojas. Angels and Archangels about the artwork. It really doesn't do it justice just to listen. Make sure you visit the website where you can see the images that uh, Edward Riojas was talking about there on the article on the website. It's linked here in the description of this, this podcast. So make sure you take a moment, go back and look at that artwork and enjoy it. And thank you for taking the opportunity to learn how to interpret not simply the world, but also Christian art from a Lutheran perspective.